that he could be here. Um, Brother Gibbs loves this church. He's been here several times. You know him. If not for an emergency, he would be here. He loves you all. He is a lawyer by trade. Before he was a preacher, he was a lawyer. And unfortunately, sometimes those things conflict. And right now, he is preparing to argue a case before the second highest court in America. He is arguing that a government, and it's, it's different a little bit in America, but he's arguing that the American government cannot criminally charge pastors for opening churches. It's a big case. And please pray for him when you get a moment. It is an important thing in America to have that religious freedom that we all enjoy. And so, if not for that, he would be here. He loves this church. He's told me about this church. We've prayed for you all for many, many years, and it's a joy to be able to be here with you. We're going to be in Psalm chapter 37 today, because as we see we are returning, as our theme is, let us return for this conference, there are some fears and, and, uh, and different issues that come up to mind for different things, but... Pastor, thank you for allowing me to be here. Uh, appreciate meeting you, your testimony, what the Lord's done in your life. And um, I'm honored to be here, so I sure appreciate that. As Pastor mentioned, I've been with the Christian Law Association and Brother Gibbs in, in America for 17 years now. And you can imagine I've seen quite a few things. Um, people want to sue churches. People want churches not to do well. They, they believe that the Bible is a detriment to society rather than the, than the hope of America, of the hope of the world. And they want to blame the church for any of the issues. And yet, we know that the church is the lighthouse. We know that the church is the hope, not just for America, but for the world. Um, seeing you all folks in Australia, it's amazing to me. It's my first time here. And so I have been blessed to meet. You're, you're a cheery people. You're happy. And I love seeing that the joy of the Lord is in your heart, and it's on your countenance, it's on your face. And what a privilege it is to be here. It is the honor of my life to be a legal missionary with Brother Gibbs. And what we get to do is we go around America and now around the world, and we get to see how we can help churches and people fulfill what God's called them to do. Whether it's to be a missionary, we'll do everything in our power to help that happen. And some governments around the world, such as maybe China and others, are not as... A, not as accepting to, to missionaries as they come in. So they've got to go in with different uh, trades, electrician, plumbing, different issues that, and, and different vocations that they'll allow you in for, and then you can spread the gospel as you're there. And so we try to help in any way we can in getting missionaries to foreign countries. We try to do whatever we can to help churches do exactly what God's called them to do. Um, we help other people in vocations, whether it's in schools or um, other businesses share their faith. Many places won't allow that. And so it's our duty, it's our calling, and it's our privilege to be able to help just Bible believers all around the world do what they need to do. That's what God's called them to do. There's something that's been on my heart lately, and throughout this COVID-19 time period, it's been seen all around the world, and that is fretting. It's worrying. It is something that it's hard not to do. And yet, God's called us not to be a fretful people. He's called us to be a people of hope, people of peace. And as we return, let's remember that. Let's read, if we would, a few verses in Psalm chapter 37, and I have a few thoughts 
that I want to share with you that God's laid on my heart, that hopefully it'll be a help to you as well. Psalm chapter 37 begins, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. For they shall soon be cut down like the grass and wither as the green herb. Trust in the Lord and do good. So shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Commit thy way unto the Lord. Trust also in him, and he shall bring it to pass. And he shall bring forth thy righteousness as the light, and thy judgment as the noonday. Rest in the Lord, and wait patiently for him. Fret not thyself because of him who prospereth in his way, because of the man who bringeth wicked devices to pass. Cease from anger, and forsake wrath. Fret not thyself in any wise to do evil. Let's go ahead and pray. Father, as we look at this passage today, I pray that it would um, solidify some thoughts in our hearts, things that we know but that we just need to adhere to, things that we have seen before, and yet maybe you'll reach us in a new way today. Father, help us as your people not to fret, not to worry, but have peace that passes all our earthly understanding. In Jesus' name, amen. I was reading some studies not too long ago said 70% over the last year have increased their stress and worry. All over the world, 70% of the population. They say 80, 80% say they're worried about the future of their respective nation. So 80% of Americans are worried about America. 80% of Australians are worried about Australia. The direction it's going, the stresses of life that are happening. And 60% say that the issues that they're facing are totally overwhelming to them. Can you imagine that? I would imagine it's very similar here as it is back home for me, that people are looking to any kind of solution for producing the result of peace that they need to have. Producing peace is not something that we are able to do, though. That's something only God can do for us. We're going to read in here in this passage, we know that as the stock markets in America drop, God is still the same. We know that as the, the, it's hard to describe, but we know it as the culture is shifting, God is still the same. When, when David wrote this psalm under the leading of the Holy Spirit, God was the same then, because Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. When Paul in the New Testament wrote many of those books, he was not just jailed, but sometimes chained to a Roman soldier at the time, and God was still the same. What men have gone through before, God helped them get through. And what we're going through now, God will help us get through. Whether it's an illness, or whether it's financial, or whether it's family pressure, whatever you're going through, God is still the same. And he'll help you get through it. We just need to trust in him. We know the one who's never surprised and never overwhelmed, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we trust in him, as we read through some of these things, We can trust him. We can trust him. Any individual situation you're going through, he'll get you through. Any any thoughts that you've had on the way here today of how am I going to get through this week, he'll help us through. He'll do it. Charles Spurgeon, the great London preacher, said, To trust God in the light is nothing, but trust him in the dark. That's faith. Trust him in the dark. I like how he put that. It's not easy. 
It's not easy. But we can rely on him. He is faithful. He's good. I tell you what, I've been encouraged by the friendliness of the people here. Uh, we've prayed for your church for years, as we said, but um, there, are, there are things that are common, not just in America, but here. And fretting is one of those things. Worrying is one of those things. Coming from the States, we may pronounce some words differently, but we know who wrote all the word. We may look up at the stars and see a different constellations and different hemispheres, but we know the maker of the stars. He made the stars also. And so as we look at the, at the scripture today, God has something to show us this morning from Psalm 37. And uh, hopefully these are some truths that will help us. First thing I would like to mention, and I have it underlined in my Bible, and you may as well. Verse 1. It's a command of God. It says, fret not. Fret not. So the word fret in our English dictionaries is the same word we use for heartburn, for worry, for things that are cutting us from the inside out and just kind of ripping us apart, things that stress us. Well, the Bible says, fret not. And I want to give you three keys here, and then we'll move forward. We're going to give you the problem, and then we're going to give you a plan to fix it. All right, the problem is worry, number one, it robs God of his omnipotence in our lives. When we worry, it's because we feel we can't control the issue. And yet, we're never called to control the issue. We're called to respond to the issue with God's help. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. And when we worry, we're taking ourselves and making a, a God out of ourselves, essentially. We're saying we should be able to handle this on our own, and yet... God's never called us to be a people that handle things on our own. He's called us to be a people who on our knees call before him and say, we need your help. We need you to do this for us. Number two, worry puts you in the position that is meant for God. Not only does it rob him of his omnipotence, but it puts us in that place. We've never been meant to be in that place. Uh, and if you've ever had a, an illness, you know that you're not in that place. You know how weak we can all of a sudden become. We know how, how helpless we feel when something that's outside of our control then takes control. And we say, well, I, I can't handle this. Well, it's good to know someone who can. It's good to know that God can. And number three, worry is actually a direct result of disobeying God's divine plan for your peace. See, God's called us all to be a peaceful people. And we can do that with his help. Okay, we're going to go through... Um, the plan? What is the cure? How can we not only avoid fretfulness, but have the peace that passes the understanding? Number one is shown to us in verse number three. The first key to have a plan for peace is to trust him. It's to trust him. Jot this down. Trust in the Lord and do good. And so shalt thou dwell in the land, and verily thou shalt be fed. There are a few things we can do that show our trust in him. Are you daily in the Word? Are you daily in the Word? He has a plan. He has a map for your life. That if you just follow what it says, you can have a peaceful life. Just follow it. Have a, have a daily time where you, where you get before the Lord and say, I want to hear what you have to say. And then, along with that, have a time of prayer. Have a time where not only are you hearing from Him, but He's hearing from you. It's... 
it's commonplace nowadays, especially in America, for people to have meditation times or some kind of issue where they will set aside time for meditation of some kind. And yet, we know prayer is the only way. We know prayer is the way. And yet, they're trying to find any other kind of complicated and convoluted method in order to have peace. Well, we have the plan. We have the plan for peace. I like what it says here. Trust in the Lord and do good. Do good. Matthew 5.16 says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's in Matthew. That's straight from the lips of Jesus. When we look at that, we see, well, if the Son of God says this is what we ought to do, how many of you understand we ought to do that thing? When Jesus says it, that's what we ought to do. Well, in that, in that verse we see, number one, it's a personal light. Let your light so shine. Let your light. It's personal. Your pastor could do it for you if he could. But it's an individual decision. We must let our light shine. Are you letting your light shine? Are people around you saying, hey, I want what he has. I want what she has. It's essential. It's essential. The second thing we see in that verse let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Well, it's a purpose light. You're not doing it for your own glory. You're not doing it so others see you. You're doing it so others see Christ. If you're letting your light so shine before men, you're saying, okay, I'm going to be the hardest worker at my job. I'm going to be the nicest person to those around me. You're called to be. You're called to be kind to everyone around you. And then we see it's appointed, appointed light. We're to point people to Christ. We're to point and glorify God, which is in heaven. So it's personal, it's purposed, and it's pointed. The next point in verse number four on the plan for peace, the plan for peace is to delight thyself also in the Lord. The Bible says here in verse 23, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord, and he delighteth in his way. So I have a question for you. What are you choosing to delight yourself in? What are you choosing to delight yourself in? What in your life makes you happy? What are you doing in your free time? What are you doing in the time where you're spending with others? Is what you're doing delighting the Lord? Because if it's not, we need to rethink some things. We need to say, what is our purpose? Our purpose is to make the Lord Jesus look good. We are his ambassadors on earth. We need to delight in the things that he delights in. And right here he's giving us, he'll give us desires. He'll place those desires in our heart when we're doing exactly what he's called us to do. It's a 180 turn from what the world thinks. It's completely different. And the reason it's different is we have a hope that they don't have. And because we have a hope that they don't have, we ought to have a joy that they don't have. We ought to express ourselves in a way that they can't express themselves. Because in what we do in this moment, in seeing what God's called us to do, and seeing what from the Bible he's asking us to do, if we take this out there, it changes the world. That's what missions is all about. It's taking what God's given us and sharing it with just one other person. And then just one more person. And then just another and another. That's how the gospel is spread. That's what God's called us to do. In following what God's given us desires for, we can have peace. 
We can have peace in a turbulent world, in a time where people want to get rid of Christians, where they want to, especially in America, it is, it is a vitriol that we've never seen before. It is a painstaking process to try to, to try to show someone it's not the Christians that are the problem here. We're not marching through and burning buildings. We're not going through and doing these things that are causing all these issues. And yet, it's not culturally what they want to hear. And so we're having struggles with that. We're, we're facing issues in, in the different coasts, New York and Seattle and Los Angeles and Florida areas in Washington, D.C., where the culture wants things a certain way, and we know it shouldn't be that way. We know that God's called us to be a people of peace. In fact, in other faiths, when they are, go to the extremism of their faith, it is about violence. And when we go to the extremism about Christianity, it is about peace. It is about the, the extent that Jesus on earth said, this is the first and greatest commandment, to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and all thy soul and all thy mind. And the second is like unto it, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. The Son of God came down and said, your greatest, your greatest responsibility is to love your neighbor and to love your God and to do what he says. We have governments trying to say we, we, we're the problem. Well, our, if our people are doing what the Bible says in the extremist way, we're to love others. We're to do good unto our enemies. Jesus says in Matthew 5, uh, do good to your enemies. Those who would wish harm on you, it's our duty to do good to them and to love them and to share Christ with them. That's a, it's a hard thing to do if we were just in the flesh. If we're in the old man, as the Bible calls it, it's easy to, in our carnality, say, well, you did me, I'm going to do you wrong too. You have it coming to you, as we would say. And yet, if we take a breath and we rest in him, as we'll see a second, and we commit our way and we delight in him and the things that he delights in, we understand that has no place in a Christian's heart. It has no place to be a to be an embattling Christian with others. In fact, we see that too much in America. We see churches that are against each other as well. That ought not be so. The Bible says in Corinthians and in others that he sees backbitings and strifes and debates, and, and those are about Christians. He wrote those to churches. That ought not be so. Too often we see in our ministry people who are coming at each other going at pastors, going at other deacons, going at each other. And uh, it can be issues as silly as this. We had, and I'll, I have notes, but I'm going to go off the cuff a little bit because you guys want to hear a little bit about what we're doing. I can tell. We had, a, we had a lady sue a church two years ago. And I'll never forget it. It was amazing. It was unbelievable. It was something you would never think. The lady had been scheduled to sing a special in the church service. And they had a new choir director, a new music director, who said, I didn't see it. We'll have you do it next time. We won't have you sing tonight. I've got a different program for tonight. I hope that's all right. She said, okay, that's, that's fine. She never showed up at the church again. And a couple of weeks later, they had a lawsuit served on them because she felt that not only had she been wronged, but by the way that the music pastor told her, she had, he had defamated her character in front of the entire church, and she sued the church for $3 million. 
I'll never forget it. It was one of the funniest things I had read until I realized it was serious. Can you imagine? Well, thankfully, thankfully, through much prayer, a lot of money, and a lot of issue, um, that finally was resolved. But it took, I think, two full years of heartache and heartbreak and struggle and worry and fretting that the church people all had based on one person's lack of character, decision to go against the biblical way of of suing churches instead of um, going one to one and then one to two or three. The Bible has clear direction on how to have peace with others. And yet, so often we don't do it. Not to that extreme, but that, that was one that was unbelievable. Another we had didn't sue, but her family had had an organ in the corner for years and generations, generations and generations, and she was the only one in the church who could play the organ. And so they said, well, you're the only one who can do it. Let's remove it for when we're not using it and bring it back on the platform when we are using it. So we'll have more, more platform room for activities, for the choir, for everything. Boy, did that start a war. Boy, did that start a war. She was livid. And yet after much prayer and counsel and, and it finally was resolved and and it's amazing, though, the things that can set people off, the, sin, the things that can make people upset, the things that you can deal with that you never thought you'd have to deal with. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Now, I've been here only a, a couple of days now, but it doesn't seem like the, the kind of area where that would happen. I would hope not. I would hope not. You all have beautiful smiles. <laughs> Let's keep it that way. Let's delight ourselves in the Lord and in the things that he's called us to do. Number five, in verse number five, commit thy way unto the Lord. I love this word commit. The the word commit has several different meanings in scripture, but my favorite one is that it is to roll. It's to roll something over. Like at the top of a mountain, if you were to roll a stone down, it just goes and continues and gets faster and more momentum and just rolls and rolls and rolls. That's what this word commit means. It's I'm in it for, for good. I'm in it. I'm in it, and there's nothing going to stop me to commit. The Bible says in 1 Peter 5, 7, we're casting all your care upon him, for he careth for you. Casting all your care upon him. We're to commit, but we're to cast. And what we need to do when we cast all our care on him is to realize two things happen. Number one, he cares for us. That's nothing new to anyone in here. We know that God, that God cares for us. If we didn't know that, we wouldn't be here right now. If we didn't know that, then we wouldn't have the faith that we have. We know he cares for us. But the word for is great. It's not just casting our care on him for he careth for us. He cares on our behalf as well. He not just cares about you and me and our individuality. He cares on our behalf. And that's what Jesus did on that cross for us. He cares so that we don't have to care about certain things. The burdens that we care about are the things that he cares about for us. And we deal with a lot of burdens in our ministry, as I mentioned a couple of them. But we have um, certain laws in America where the churches are tax exempt. And so the land that they use for that, they don't have to pay tax on. And yet that's something that's under attack right now. 
And they're saying that if you don't use this square footage or that square footage or the parking lot every time or this building every time, then for the use that you're not using it, we want to tax you for it. How many of you understand governments want to spend your money before they even get it? And so that's one of the things that we deal with in, in the states. Well, we're to cast all those burdens on him. Cast all of them. We can't have peace if we're carrying those burdens. We can't. The Bible gives us this plan right here. It says we're to fret not. Well, how do we do that? We're to trust in him. We're to delight in the things that he delights in. We're to commit our way to him. If we commit our way to him, then it's off us. Your burden is not on you anymore. If you've committed your way to the Lord's way, how much greater and stronger and more powerful and wonderful is everything we do because we no longer have that burden on us. It is on the creator of all things. If he gave you a situation that you don't know if you can handle, he can handle. If he gave you a financial difficulty that you don't know if you can handle or pay your debt or do this, he can handle it. Have you gone to him in prayer? Have you trusted his word? Have you committed to the plan? And verse number seven, we're to rest in him. The Bible says in the New Testament, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. I love how that ties right in with what we're talking about. His burden is light. His burden is light. The burden of the world is not light. It's heavy. It's something that they have to deal with day in and day out and don't have a way out except for Christ. And they haven't met him yet, so they don't know that yet. They act the way they do because they don't know who we know. They act the way they do because they don't have a Savior yet who has called them out of that like we have. And how are they going to find him but for us to tell them? The Bible says, how should they hear without a preacher? It's with the foolishness of preaching that we reach the world. That's what it says. Focusing on the right things will put the worries out of frame. Focusing on the right things will put the worries out of frame. In Mark chapter 4, turn to it if you would. Mark chapter 4. There's a story there that I love. Most of the stories that I love are about Jesus. Mark chapter 4 and starts in verse number 35. And the same day when the even was come, he saith unto them, Let us pass over unto the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took him even as he was in the ship. And there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm. I'll pause right there. Each of us, at one point or another, in our lives, will have a great storm arise. It will either be financial, it'll be a health need that you never saw coming, it'll be some kind of issue. We're going to have storms. They're inevitable. Life is full of them. In fact, if we didn't have storms, how could we know the one who made the storm? There arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the hinder part of the ship, asleep on a pillow. And, he, and they awake him and say unto him, Master, carest thou not that we perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said unto the sea, Peace be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. A great calm. It wasn't just calm, it was great. It was a great calm. And he said unto them, Why are ye so fearful? How is it that ye have no faith? And they feared exceedingly, and said one to another, What manner of man is this, 
that even the wind and the sea obey him. If you don't take one thing out of that, take this. I love verse 38. Jesus didn't lose any sleep when he was in the middle of his storm, and you shouldn't either. Jesus didn't lose any sleep. He was asleep on a pillow. Can you imagine? Uh, Now, I don't know how many of you have ever been out on a boat in the middle of a storm. It's not the easiest place to be. More commonly now, we're on planes during turbulence. Well, imagine someone who's just sleeping as peaceful as can be in the middle of all the bump and bruising and, and the... Jesus was asleep. When we go through storms in life, he expects us to rest in him. Verse 7 of Psalm 37 says that. Rest also in him. If we're to rest in him, we're not worried about the things. We're not losing the sleep because of, well, I wonder if this and I think this might happen and I I just wonder. No, 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 no. Go back to verse number, number three. We're to trust in the Lord. We're to trust in him. We're not to worry. If you're trusting, you're not worrying. Trust calls people to action, too. If you're trusting, imagine something. There was something a few years ago that was very common in businesses to do trust exercises. How many of you remember trust exercises where they would do like a trust fall, something like that, where someone would stand, they'd put their hands on their chest and kind of lean in, and they were supposed to catch them behind them. They didn't always catch them, but they, they were supposed to catch them behind them. Well, What good is that trust if the person never leans over for someone to catch them? You can say you believe that they'll do it. Sure. I believe. I have trust. I believe they're going to do it. I believe that they're going to fulfill their end of the bargain. But if you never fell, how could you be sure? How could you be sure? If you never actually use that added bonus of there is someone to catch you, how could you be sure? It's not real trust, is it? Until you actually fall, take that plunge, take that fall, and realize God is going to catch you every single time. How can you be sure? How can you really be trusting? It's a matter of action. It's a matter of faith. Faith is that way. By faith are you saved. It's not through just, I think this is it. It's through, if this isn't it, if this is it, I'm going to act in this way. If I'm going to trust him to do it, it's, if there's a fire, you trust that the fire department is coming. If there is, a, if there is an action happening, you trust that the police are going to be on their way. If there is something, you trust that is going to be the case. And so when something happens in your life, trust in the Lord. Don't fret. Don't worry. Um, a pastor once asked an elderly woman, what is your favorite scripture? What is your favorite scripture? Many people have favorite Bible verses. I have too many. I have too many. People ask, what's my favorite? I said, I take them to five different ones and say, I like this one, I like this one, I like this one. Um, But this lady, she said, I like the words, and it came to pass, and it came to pass, and it came to pass. Many times in scripture it says that, and it came to pass. And they said, and the pastor asked, why? She said, because it doesn't say it came to stay. And it came to pass, but it didn't come to stay. Let's remember Everything is temporary that we're currently going through. Everything. What will not be changed by the passing of time will be changed by the end of it. Will be changed by the end of time when time shall be no more. What a wonderful thought. What you're going through right now is just temporal. 
It's not something to worry about. It's something we can trust the Lord about. The biblical principle is that we're able to look beyond any problem, suffering, confusion of this time, and look to the future. Paul wrote in Romans 8.18, For I reckon, I like that, that sounds American, doesn't it? For I reckon, I reckon. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Let that sink in. The sufferings of this present time, whether it was a family member or you that were affected by COVID, whether it was another illness, whether it's some financial difficulty or other health issue that we're dealing with, the sufferings of this present time are not compared with what, God's had, what God has in store for us. It's not compared. These things are temporal. Why bother to fuss over these things that are just so short? The things in life that don't matter. When we have a father who loves us and controls everything, and what you're going through is because he's allowed it to happen. Look at the book of Job. What God's allowed to happen to that man when he didn't deserve it. In fact, he, he was a perfect man in all respects and eschewed evil. He hated the evil things that were going on in the world. And he loved God and he, he trusted in him. He did all these things. Well, what was wrong there? God allowed those things to happen. And it allowed him to affect those around him, his friends, his family, those. And yet, when he came through refined, as the Bible says in other passages, refined as gold, refined. That's what we're going through right now is to refine us. Instead, concentrate all your energy and your works on how you can influence others for Christ. Instead of focusing your energies on what may worry you down the road, Think about how God's controlling it. God's allowing things and giving us so many good things. I'll finish with this. There was a young businessman in, in the States who was having trouble with his business. This was years ago. And it started off good, and he was having some issues. He had to start off taking some personal loans to pay his staff, to pay people, his employees. He was wondering, what am I supposed to do? And he had grown up in church but grown away from the Lord. And um, it got so bad, he... He checked himself into a mental institution. He wanted some sleep. He couldn't sleep at night. He was so worried, so fretful over what was going on in his life. He wanted it to work out, but he didn't know what to do. So he turned to medical attention. Well, finally taking mental or taking medical medication to kind of get rid of the mental anguish that he was feeling, he tried to go to sleep that night. But before he did, he wrote notes to his family saying, I don't think I'm going to make it through the night. This is so weighing on me. In the morning, he woke up. Thank the Lord. This is a true story. He heard music coming from down the hall of this institution where they had a chapel. And as he walked closer to it, he could start to make out some of the words. And he started hearing, Be not dismayed, whate'er be tied. God will take care of you. Beneath the wings of love abide. God will take care of you. That man was J.C. Penney. Many may know his stores. He, they actually picked up after this. He said, after the fact, when he was telling his testimony, suddenly something happened. From that day to this, my life has been free from worry. Let's remember that. Be not dismayed, whate'er be tied, God will take care of you. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this time together. Thank you for helping us to 
recognize from your word that we don't need to fret or worry or be concerned about the things of this earth, that you're in full control of them all. Thank you for sharing with us and loving us and guiding us. Help us to remember those things as we go about our week. In Jesus' name, amen. Pastor.